listening to a download from the outdoorstation.co.uk. Number 412. Hello and welcome back once again to the Outdoor Station. In the last podcast, I interviewed Dave Cornthwaite about Yesterval, the positive gathering of like-minded souls who want to say yes more. And that takes place this weekend, 21st, 23rd of October, just south of London. Do have a look on the Outdoor Station website, uh, podcast number 411, for full details and links, tickets, etc. As part of my research into people I want to interview, as suggested by our listeners on the newsletter page sign up on the Outdoor Station, I've also mentioned that I've enjoyed listening to several new podcast producers, all of whom are producing quality audio, interesting content and intelligent conversation, otherwise known as the good stuff in the podosphere. So I've decided to support these fellow professionals who create content also associated with self-powered travel and introduced them to you, my audience, to add variety and entertainment to the playlist. Now I'm starting a new page also on the Outdoor Station website called Recommended Listening where I will be adding all the details of all these podcast producers as time goes by. In this particular one, you'll see all the links, etc. on podcast number 412 on the website. So to allow them to introduce themselves to you, first up is Kurt Linville from the Adventure Sports Podcast. Our podcast is the Adventure Sports Podcast. And the goal of our show is to encourage people to get out into nature to find a sport that they love so they can be more active, have adventure in their lives, make wonderful memories, connect with nature. And we believe in doing that. It enlarges people's lives. They get fitness. They get, you know, all the, the mental benefits and all the joys of having a new sport, plus the community that always comes with uh, people meeting up with a common interest. And so we interview adventurous people, and our prerequisite for being on our show is very simple. You have to be passionate about an adventure sport, and that's it. So we, we interview people from all different types of adventures, from small to, to massive. And the main goal is to just introduce our listeners to uh, an adventure-based lifestyle and more about the outdoors. Sarah Williams has been producing the Tough Girl podcast for the last year, dedicating herself to interviewing inspirational women from around the world. My podcast is the Tough Girl podcast, which is all about motivating and inspiring women and girls to get fit and active, to travel and explore, to have big dreams and to go after them. And what I do is I interview women from all walks of life, from all backgrounds, from all countries, from everywhere around the world, and share their stories. So I've interviewed ocean rowers, women who've swam the English Channel, people, women who have run the full length of countries and around countries, from Anna McNuff, who ran the full length of New Zealand, to Aris Berifas Webb, who ran around Wales. There's just a whole selection of women who are doing these extraordinary challenges who no one gets to hear about. So I share their stories and promote their stories in the aim of encouraging more women and girls to get out there. Feedback's been amazing. I mean, one of the things that I did is I actually created a Facebook group called the Tough Girl Tribe, which is a place for the listeners of the podcast to come together to support each other, to provide advice and information. 
And so many times in the group, women have said, I've signed up for that triathlon because I listened to that podcast. I've signed up for that half marathon. I've run that marathon because I listened to to Larry Morgan and, and her journey. Oh, or I listened to Sophie Radcliffe or I listened to Emma Timmis. And women are being inspired to get out there. And it makes me so happy. I get a lot of um, emails from women. I mean, one was quite recently from a lady saying, oh, I don't know whether or not I should sign up for this 50K ultra. I've done X, Y, and Z. What do you think? And sometimes all women need is somebody on their side, somebody to say, you can do this. You can go out there and achieve this. And they just need that little push. And, and that's what you get. So I get a tremendous amount of feedback from my listeners, which is, which is amazing. It's why I do it really. It's, you know, to hear that, encouragement and it just makes me want to keep on going to keep on putting the episodes out every single week all of us at some stage or another have memorable interviews and people who surprise us with their stories kurt linville once again oh boy that's a challenge we have 209 episodes as of today and that's a fair number of interviews to to think through (laughs) we've had some that were quite humorous uh, several weeks ago, Travis, my co-host, interviewed a fellow that he created a, a bicycle out of a sofa, out of a couch, so that he could ride a couch like you would watch television with down the highway and pedal it. And he and his friend pedaled it down the coast of Canada and uh, had some amazing stories to, to tell, as you might imagine, from something like that. So we get those kind of wild experiences where people are doing something incredibly creative. Um, and we also have the, the super adventures is what I would like to call them. For instance, Lonnie Dupree summiting Mount McKinley Denali on January 15th of this year, solo, um, an amazing feat in a very extreme conditions and, uh, what it's like to, uh, you know, have that kind of an experience. And so, you know, we have the full gambit all between between all of those so it's hard to pick just one and say that was the most interesting but some of them have certainly been fascinating uh my surprising conversation would be quite recently there was a lady who i interviewed called juliana uh, burring who had, was the first woman to cycle around the world and i knew a lot about her about her cycling achievements and what she'd done but i didn't know a lot about her upbringing and her childhood and on, and on the podcast, she said that she actually grew up in a cult. And it was, it was wow. I mean, we didn't really go into all of the details, but it was the fact that she, she had to overcome this terrible, terrible upbringing, and then, which, she, which she overcame. And then she went on and she shared more. She, she was very, very open and very, very honest about what she'd done. And she met the love of her life, who unfortunately ended up dying in quite a, a brutal accident. And when you hear stories like this, and it's how that they overcame these incredibly dark times and got stronger as a result of it. And she went on to become, you know, the fastest woman to cycle around the world. And it's just an, an absolute legend. And it's just inspirational. Inevitably, similar themes or repeated impressions learned from the characters we talk to are the same across the world and appear in both sexes. There's a common theme with our show that comes out over and over and over again. And it usually comes out the most when people are doing some sort of adventure travel. But I think the common theme is that people will have a fear that keeps them from going adventuring. It's a fear of the unknown or a lack of, of knowledge or training. But then when you 
go out the door and start doing the adventure. The fear dissipates and the rewards are vast. And that often is associated with the people you meet along the way. You know, the relationships that you build as you travel. They're, the media loves to tell us all the bad stuff. But people found, even in areas of the world that are politically unstable and, and considered dangerous, that when they go to those places, what they find are real people just like the rest of us who want the same things that we all want. And they find beautiful interactions with people, with their generosity and their caring. And so I think that's a common theme that's um, come around many times in our show. It's not that I didn't know about that dynamic, but I love to hear it expressed over and over again. People find it surprising that all the things they were nervous about really are not big issues once they go out and they experience whatever adventure it is that they're interested in. I, I keep learning that actually all of these big challenges and these big dreams that we have, everybody has them, but not everybody takes steps to achieving them. And that no matter what it is that you want to do, no matter how big the dream, how big the goal, it's all about breaking it down and making it more manageable and taking steps to achieving that goal. And it's also just having faith in yourself and having belief that you can do what you set out to do. And there are going to be setbacks. There are going to be times when when you fail, but it's not necessarily failure. It's, it's feedback. And that actually, if you want something badly enough, you can get out there and you can achieve it. But it's it's the power of understanding your why you do it, why it's important, what's going to get you out of out of bed in the morning. And every single woman I've spoken to, I've learned something new from. I think the biggest the biggest problem I have from that is I keep speaking to all these incredible women who've done such amazing challenges that it motivates and inspires me to think, right, maybe I should go and do that. I could put that on, you know, I could go and do X, Y, and Z. And and my list just keeps growing longer and longer and longer. And it also makes me realize that actually there's so much, there's so much potential out there. There's so many different things that you can go and do. It's all about finding what motivates you. And I know not everyone's going to want to go and run six marathons in six days across the Sahara Desert or want to cycle the full length of a country or go and walk the Appalachian Trail. And I totally get that. But hearing these stories does make you think about what it is that you want to achieve in life. Ah, now that's the big question, isn't it? I wonder, how does Sarah approach that fine tipping point, the one between dreams of adventure and practical finances? Balance is something that I have been struggling with. I'm I'm quite sort of an extreme person, a very sort of focused. So when I know what I want to do, I sort of go at it 110%. But I have been learning over the past couple of years that actually that's not always the right decision. And trying to achieve balance is just key to everything. And that sometimes you can't train like a professional athlete if you're wanting to run an ultra event. And actually, you do have to fit your family in into your life, you do have to fit your career in. And there is there is a there is a balance and it's just, it's so, so difficult. And, you know, especially we talk a lot about, um, or I'm trying to talk more about the money side of things because that's one of the biggest questions that everyone wants to know. It's like, well, you know, how do you afford to do these challenges? How do you afford to do it? And I think sometimes people get off put by thinking that things are a lot more expensive than they actually are. And yes, there are going to be some races, which if you know, if you want to go to the Antarctic or you want to go to the Sahara Desert or if you want to go climb Mount Everest, they are going to be really, really expensive. But actually, it doesn't cost you anything to put your trainers on and go outside for for a walk or join your local yoga club. So that there are there are different ways to balance it out. But balance is something I'm still I'm still learning. 
it's something I know I need to get better at. And every day I try and reassess and just think, well, okay, am I moving too far into the extreme? Do I need to bring it back? Um, for me, especially, you know, when I was training for Marathon de Saabs, I just threw myself into my training massively overtrained and basically ended up being, being bed bound. And I realized when I was going through my recovery process, that actually I don't need to kill myself to to do the things that I enjoy doing. It's the same with you know, building up Tough Girl Challenges. I was so focused on starting starting my company, building it up, getting getting the word out, doing every every single thing that myself, that actually my relationship started to suffer because I was spending, you know, 18 hours a day doing what I love, which is fantastic. But actually, I just wasn't getting the balance right because I was just working too hard. So it, it, it's really, really difficult. And, and it's and it comes down to the individual at the end of the day. Everyone's circumstances are so unique that there's no there's no right or wrong answer to what balance is to you. And you've just got to work that out. And hopefully you get the balance right. But I think you're constantly, you're const- it's a constant juggling act. You've got to be constantly reassessing the situation and moving forward. Uh, from my experience of talking to people, I always get the feeling, sort of subtle feeling, that the higher up the success chain they go, the more the sacrifice has been. I, I can understand that. I think, you know, when you're when you're ambitious and you're driven and you and you start achieving goals and you start becoming an achiever, whether that's running your first 5K, doing your 10K, a half marathon, a marathon, it makes you realize what you can do and what you can achieve when you put your mind to something. And every time you do a challenge, your comfort zone expands and gets bigger. And actually, in order to keep growing and developing as a person, you need to keep pushing yourself. And so actually the higher up that pole or the higher up the ladder you go, the larger the challenges will get because your comfort zone needs to keep growing. And actually, I think, I mean, what I do especially is I always end up applying too much pressure on myself and it's just me who's applying the pressure, it's nobody else. And I think when you are when you are achieving and you are doing great things, then that pressure does intensify because you want to keep going, you want to keep pushing on those boundaries and you want to keep getting those results. Yes, yeah, so we're our own worst enemies when it comes to that, aren't we? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. you set yourself a high standard and then get frustrated when everybody else around you is saying, that's great, you've achieved, and you're going, no, that's not, just, not, just not good enough. I've got to do better. Yeah, no, I, and I get it because I was almost embarrassed, actually. When I, when I came back home, I had lots of people, you know, congr- congratulating me, which, you know, which is amazing. But it, inside, I was thinking yes, but I've done it. I've got to move on to the next thing. I've got to find the next big thing. I've got to find the next thing that, that, that motivates me. Mm, a challenge junkie. You've got to be careful, haven't you? <laughs> well, well, yeah, I was going to say, especially if you're a very goal-driven person, you can almost become very tick box. So it's like, right, I've got to do that. Right, done it. Tick, onto the next. Tick, tick, tick. Which is, which is great in some respects, but actually you've always got to be careful that you still get that sense of enjoyment from what you're doing. Oh, absolutely, yes. You've got to enjoy the journey, not just the arrival, haven't you? Yeah. Self-powered travel. Since 2005, over 8 million people have listened. Over 1 million have watched the videos. Podcasts which look at all aspects of self-powered travel. Sharing the passion, appreciation and understanding for the outdoors world. The Outdoors Station is a free media entertainment service dedicated to the self-powered outdoors enthusiast. I think it is very interesting how adventuring is similar but different in the UK versus the US. And I think the driver for that has a lot to do with our history. You know, in the UK, there's less public land available. And in the United States, especially in the American West, 
there are vast amounts of public lands that are held in common by all people. And some people would call it government land because the government manages it. But the charter says that those lands belong to all the citizens of the United States. And so what that does is it opens up vast tracts of land to be explored and camped on and enjoyed in a variety of ways. Whereas in the UK, I think there's a lot more private ownership of property. And, uh, of course, there's a smaller amount of, of land also. So it, it kind of changes the way that people adventure there versus here. I explored this a bit further with Kurt and suggested that although scale may be different, the approach to wilderness and the importance of preservation is the same across the world. So in the U.S., we have a variety of public lands. We have what is considered a national forest land we have wilderness areas, which are generally segments of national forests that uh, don't allow any type of mechanized travel. So they stay truly primitive. The only way you can access those lands is, is walking or on horseback. You can't even use a helicopter to fly in. We also have um, the Bureau of Land Management. So these are government-controlled lands or public lands that don't have a forest on them. So these are more of the deserts and things like that. And, uh, of course, we have the national park system. And so each of these designations has different regulations. And even like the national forests will have different regulations from area to area. But if you call the National Forest Service, then they will tell you what is allowed in, in various places. And generally, in the national forest, the rules are similar to what you just said. Don't camp within sight of a road. And... um. It's pretty much open camping. You know, there are a few places where from time to time there will be a fire ban because the conditions are so dry. Or sometimes there'll be an area that's been overused. And so they'll say, please don't camp in this area, but you can camp in these other areas. Or sometimes there are regulations that say you can't camp more than, you know, five out of 14 days or something like that. But besides that, it's free and it's open. And so... It makes for a lot of opportunities for backpacking in the American West. Have you found over recent years that people need more education and more um, direction in how to treat the areas with respect so they don't overuse uh, sort of common um, camping areas? I think that that is going on in the United States. There's been a big push for the last few decades to educate people about that, about how to care for the environment and how to preserve the lands for future generations. Um, I don't know that it's been of necessity as much as it's just been a good idea that's moved forward. A lot of people have certainly jumped on the environmental bandwagon, and that's really important to most Americans. But then we also have the facet of people that um, mostly, I think, out of a lack of knowledge, you know, they're, they're not familiar with the outdoors. They don't know the outdoors. They haven't really connected with it in a way that's meaningful. And they're learning. And so they make mistakes. They do things that damage nature. And so the government has been trying to kind of regulate that class of people. But just because out of a lack of knowledge, I think, you know, they're causing unnecessary damage. And so they've divided up our public lands kind of into different zones there's the backcountry, which is uh, probably has the fewer regulations because it's less visited. 
But then they also have what they call front country. And that's where maybe there's a, a city and near the city it's interfacing with nature and it gets heavy, heavy use. And so they actually put more regulations on the places where the most people go. And then, of course, they have placards everywhere and all sorts of programs to educate people on how to care for nature. Actually, that sounds very similar, reducing the scale of it right down to an area in Scotland, which unfortunately has been, uh, well, at one stage had been quite devastated and abused by people who were going to the Loch Lomond area, which is a beautiful, beautiful area. And the West Highland Way uh, took in part of the route past the Loch and it was had become almost a party destination for groups of people. Mm. It's a common issue. Anytime people are interacting with nature, we can love it to death. We can overlove it. And uh, so we have to be educated, I think, like you mentioned. And when people care for nature, then I think there can be a wonderful symbiotic relationship between, you know, the humanity and nature. And I like to point out that we're natural, too. We are a part of nature. And so I don't like the, the philosophies that say humans are the problem and nature must be isolated from us. My personal approach is that if you start young especially and get people involved in nature so that they interact with it and understand all the various interdependencies of the different you know, ecosystems and they can appreciate what it means to take care of it, then they become people that not only care for nature when they're there, but they also work politically to preserve and care for the environment. So my, my personal bent is to get people into nature as much as possible in a, in a way that is somewhat cautious to take care of nature, but primarily educates them. Along with education, I wonder if Kurt and Sarah would share the same view on relationships they form in rural areas or when traveling with others. I think that in smaller communities, interpersonal relationships are highly valued, and there's a lot of what I call social accountability because everybody knows everybody. You can't get away with much without someone saying, hey, that wasn't right. And so I think it builds a quality of uh, expectations for how to treat people properly. And in the cities with all the anonymity, sometimes I think people can get isolated and forget. When I lived in London, I did, you know, I had a great group of friends. I could be socializing most nights going out. But sometimes you would still feel incredibly lonely. So say it was, you know, a Thursday or Friday night and you weren't doing anything and you'd be starting to compare something. Oh, well, why aren't I going out? And unless it's been a conscious decision, you you actually feel quite bad about it. Then you can be out in in the wild. You can be out. I mean, I remember being out in Chile and in places like Easter Island and just connecting with other people. And it's it's really weird when you're sort of out traveling because you come across people you'd never normally necessarily meet. You don't, you wouldn't, if you, if you move in certain social circles, then especially in London, it gets very, very cliquey very quickly. So you don't necessarily get that diversification, but when you're traveling, you know, talking with the locals, finding out more about their lives, meeting other travelers from all over the world, you can build incredible friendships. I remember when I was 18, I was backpacking around Southeast Asia and I met a Danish girl called Camilla and uh, we ended up traveling together for a little bit. And actually, we've remained friends now for over 10 years. She's been to visit me over in the UK. I've been to stay with her as well. And, and that's the great thing about traveling, that you can meet people and really, really connect with them on, on a very deep level. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, unfortunately, I have to say that I started traveling in the 80s uh, doing a similar thing. And 
I came back from my travels with my wife um, afterwards, as it were, and we both agreed that when you're traveling, the veneer that you surround yourself with when you're in your home environment, your clothes, your car, your attitude, your accessories, they've all gone. And so you can literally be walking down a road, having somebody walk towards you, and you'll know within seconds, even before you speak to them, whether you're going to get on with them, be friends, and even possibly take it further. And like you, I've got friends that are in Australia and New Zealand, which have been friends for well over 30 years and exactly the same. Uh, so much so that they'd send their children over now to stay with us and vice versa. Wow. God, that's lovely. But it's, I think it's because people, people don't know who you are. So it's exactly like you said, you know, people have all these expectations, whether it's your friends or your family or, or your community, and they've labelled you already. You're the sporty one. You're the clever one. You work in banking. You're the you're the giver, you're the community worker, whatever it is. Whereas actually when you are out traveling, nobody knows those labels. It's just who you are. And yeah, it's very, very raw. And actually being, I mean, I, I found it incredibly beneficial actually after I, I left my job in banking in 2013. And um, I was very lost for a while after it because I didn't really know what I wanted to do and how I wanted to spend my time. But being surrounded by, you know, all my friends and family, it was very, very difficult to decide if what I was doing was for myself or for other people and uh, and almost realizing their expectations. But heading off to South America, suddenly being alone without those labels on made it very clear and very easy for me to think, well, what do I actually enjoy doing? Not not what do I enjoy doing because I think other people think it's a good thing to like. It's actually how do I like spending my time? And actually having that freedom and that time and that opportunity to do that is incredibly worthwhile. And I know it's not something that everybody can go and do, but it's definitely had, you know, made big impacts on my life having that time away from normal, my normal environment. Yeah, definitely. Not running away from something, but trying to find yourself. Mm, which is such a cliche. <laughs> it is, but it's so but true. Absolutely. As you can hear, both Kurt and Sarah have a wealth of knowledge and experience to share, along with the stories from the people they interview. We all have plans and a direction we want our podcast to take. To keep producing, keep improving, and keep entertaining the listeners with more variety. You know, the Adventure Sports Podcast, which of course is brought to everyone by 180 TAC, our company, the Adventure Sports Podcast, our our goals are to continue to interview wonderful people that can open up the eyes of our listeners to adventure and to encourage people to reach out and connect with the outdoors because we think the values for that are vast. We think it's good for nature. It's good for the environment. It's really good for the people who get involved in adventure sports for fitness, for, you know, all of the reasons I listed earlier. So we want to continue that movement. We also want to continue to build a larger and larger community around the show where people can interact with each other and meet up and, and find it the show as a resource for their adventures. Uh, we want to continue to help to get the word out for people who are planning large projects and adventures who need the public awareness and support to make it possible. So we want to continue to do that. We also have future plans, Bob, to create a membership site associated with the podcast where people can get a lot more access to a lot more valuable content and things like that if they become members of the show. And so we have a lot of big dreams about how it's going to continue to grow and develop. And as our audience grows and we get more feedback from the audience, we really want to be able to provide what they most want to hear and to experience from a membership perspective.
Well, it's really interesting. I've, I'm very, very close to my listeners, as in I want to understand their needs, how I can help them, how I can add value. And I want to ensure that I'm doing it through the podcast. And I attended a Women in Adventure Expo down in Bristol a couple of weeks ago and got to connect with lots of the listeners. And I met up with the Tough Girl Tribe and we went for drinks and we did like a commando challenge on the Sunday, a few of us. And just getting to speak to these women and hearing about their lives and for them to share with me, you know, their thoughts and for them to give me feedback was was absolutely invaluable. And one of the things that that I realized is I've been interviewing a lot of um, sort of high profile adventurers and explorers and athletes and, and sharing their stories. And and I thought that was the direction that I that I wanted to go in it because it's obviously, you know, it's amazing hearing about these incredible women. But what was starting to happen is I from the conversations, there was almost this disconnect because many of the women were saying to me, it's like, yes, they love the stories and they love being, you know, being inspired by these women. But actually, they're almost too far removed now because how could they, you know, as ordinary, everyday women who work a job or do shift work or work nine to five, who've got children or, you know, looking after elderly parents, how could they do any of these challenges? How could they fit it into their lives? And it definitely really gave me pause for thought. And, um, and I started thinking and I thought, well, what if I could follow the journey of of these women from the very beginning, from the idea generation stage, what they're wanting to do, why they're wanting to do it, all the way through to them completing the challenge and, you know, what they've learned along the way. And then actually we could all follow along with them. So I put it up into the Tribe a Closed Facebook group and got their suggestions. And I had a tremendous response and everyone was so, so positive. I thought, fantastic. So what I'm going to do is we're doing seven women, seven challenges for 2017. And I'm going to take seven women from the tribe who are mothers, carers, workers from all backgrounds, um, and we're going to follow their story. So at the moment, everyone is sharing what their challenges and what their plans are for 2017. And then we're going to do a vote later on and get the tribe to vote on whose story they'd like to follow. But I'm, I'm going through the list and, you know, even picking seven is going to be incredibly challenging. And there are some women there who I'm thinking, you know, even if we don't necessarily follow them on this journey, it would still be amazing to interview them, um, interview them as well. So that's going to be the next focus um, is is basically you know seven women seven challenges in 2017 and then even if women aren't going to be doing one of the challenges that we're following but also getting them to think about what challenges that they could do in 2017 and use the tribe as a support area as as women who can help each other to be accountable to help them when they're going through these low points or to give advice and tips so that's that's going to be the plan for the podcast really i'll continue to put it out on a weekly basis and i've also started doing something um something called tough girl extra which is where i go back and revisit uh, previous tough girls who've been on the podcast just to find out what they've been um what they've been up to so we had an interview with um uh, previously last year we did an interview with joe bradford and she'd been out to mount everest to go and climb it but unfortunately she was there when the when the devastating earthquake occurred so we followed up with her um, a, f- a few months ago, actually, and heard more about how she did. She went back and summited you know, Mount Everest, and and that was that was awesome. Just getting to chat to her and find out more about what she'd learned through that experience. So yeah, there's lots of developments, but I'm trying to keep it. I mean, that's a great thing with podcasting. You can keep it really sort of fresh and innovative. And I think as long as you're reaching out to your audience and getting their feedback, then it's, it can only be a positive thing. 
that's about it from me. My thanks to both Kurt Linville and Sarah Williams from the Adventure Sports Podcast and the Tough Girl Podcast. All the links to their extensive library and the social media connections, etc., etc., can all be found on the outdoorstation.co.uk website. And I can certainly say from a personal point of view, I've enjoyed everything I've listened to so far from them, and I'm confident that you will too. Which brings me down to my final statement. I like to finish with a saying or a comment related to self-powered travel. And this one is from Rumi. It's your road and yours alone. Others may walk it with you, but no one can walk it for you. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To hear or see more from our extensive free library, please visit theoutdoorstation.co.uk. Thank you.